Clap, clap your hands and stomp your feet. You're listening. You're listening to the Clap Your Hands podcast, hosted by Elliot Shore Parks and Kyle Newbeck. Here they come. So the fact that they're here, one, I think Joel needs to start getting some stronger MVP consideration because I feel like uh, Nikola Jokic has been on an absolute tear and deserves like his place within the conversation, despite the fact that I think it'd be insane for him to win three straight awards but i think joel needs to get just as much talk right now like he is powering this team to a great stretch a great run they're a top five defense in the league they've gotten way better on offense now that james harden is back and they are he is going to have as good a case as anybody to win mvp as long as he stays healthy the rest of the year well i think what you're seeing with joel and this was my worry about his chances of winning mvp Um, early on in the season, I had a debate with my friends about, could he win MVP? And I thought the fact that he had finished twice, two years in a row, uh, voters might just be bored of him, kind of right. Like the, the debate, I think sometimes is, is, does the media hate Joel? I almost feel the media takes Joel for granted more than maybe personally hates him and not personally, but I don't think they have a van, a vendetta against Joel. I think that he's been so great that a performance like last night when he drops 41 points, almost just gets overlooked and just it doesn't get the proper kind of recognition it deserves. And early on in the year when Joel had that great stretch, you know, of 40 plus games, 50 plus games, like games you've never seen in Sixers history, the team was winning in in those games, but they were fifth in the East. They were sixth, right? Now what I think you're seeing is because everyone around him is playing better too, that they could end up with that number one seed and fair, not whatever the fact that they could end up higher in, you know, if not number one, number two, that's obviously going to help his MVP case. I mean, I thought last year when Jokic got it, he shouldn't have got it number one, but I thought one of the more unfair parts of it was the Sixers were way better than the Nuggets were last year. And what the Nuggets finished last year, was it fifth? I think in the, so I think the record was not that different, which is why but yeah, seating wise, the Nuggets were were lower in the uh, the stand. It was mostly right. like that was a function of, to be fair to Jokic, that was more a function of the Western Conference versus the East. That's fair. That that's fair. My thing last year though, though was Jokic dragged that team to the five seed. Like let's not act like they were a super special team. He was a great player. They weren't a super special team last year. This year, I think the Sixers have the makings of a special team. We've talked about it a lot on the pod. The way they're playing, the way Harden's playing, eight and two in their in their last ten, and so that I do think is going to help Joel obviously in his chances because his numbers are always good. He put up great numbers last year. He put up great numbers early in the year. I think now he's getting more consideration to your point because the team is better and they're getting back to the top of the Eastern Conference. Unfortunately for him, the Nuggets are the number one seed in the West right now. So Dude, they just can't uh... <laughs> they can't give it to Jokic again. <laughs> Dude, I'm telling you, he keeps playing like this and they finished first in the West. He's probably going to win the award. Whether I think he should win it or not, I think that's what's going to happen. Do you think the fact he won it the last two years will impact, will sway voters from voting for him a third time? There will be some people like, so here's the thing. A lot of Philadelphia fans, media, whatever, like to make the claims like the media hates Joel or they're biased against Joel, whatever it is. It's like there are people in the voting block that are biased against everybody, right? Like you and I, if we were to, neither one of us are MVP voters, right? But we have our view on 
this is what I like in basketball. Like mm-hmm. you're a real offense, offense, offense yeah. guy. Which is why I'm surprised you're not a bigger Jokic guy because he <laughs> he might be the single best offensive player in the league if you well account for commits, everything. He commits the ultimate sin for me, which is being a center. So ultimately, <laughs> he falls down my list. Right, but like, so I'm more of a, a two way guy. Like I care about defense, and that's why I've always thought that somebody like Joel gets shafted in these conversations because. The two-way play that Joel is offering relative to a lot of his other peers, he's at a way higher level just because of the defensive side of the ball and everything that he does there. Now, there are also people who they want to be entertained as much as they want someone to be truly great, right? Like Tim Duncan probably had a claim on more MVPs than he ended up winning, but his game was not about, I'm going to score you know, 30 points a game. It's what am I going to do that's going to, make the team best and how do I just we churn out these 50 win seasons as if it's like it's really easy and you know somebody might be fatigued voting for Jokic or somebody might be fatigued voting for Embiid like there are very different people that make up this voting block like there are overseas voters voters from China and Italy and Spain and whatever there's voters from every market there's TV people there's you know it's such a a big group of voters from that come from all these different mindsets that grew up with basketball in different ways that I think for me to try to figure out how they're going to vote is, is pretty impossible. Well, but, but my thing with the whole Embiid versus Jokic debate, you're right. There's no debate, obviously on the defensive side of the court. Not only is Embiid one of the best defensive players in the league, Jokic is a minus on, on defense. So the, the gap couldn't, couldn't be wider. What I've never understood is this idea that Jokic is better on offense than Joel is. Joel's a better scorer. He's a better three-point shooter. He's better, I think, down in the paint, or at least debatable. I think he's a more powerful powerful force down in the paint. He's got the mid-range jumper. It's really just passing for Jokic. That's it. Yeah, but, but Joel, that's but Joel's it's a way such better, a huge difference. Joel's there. a way better scorer, though. Right, he has, so in seven less games this year, he has 111 more points. He's leading. I think he's still leading the league in scoring. He's a way better scorer than Jokic. So, yes, Jokic is a better passer, but Embiid is way better at scoring, and he can shoot. He, Jokic does not shoot threes. Trust me, as someone that looks at that over-under of half a three every night for Jokic, I'm well aware of where he is making and not making threes. Embiid attempts and makes threes all the time. Jokic barely does it. I don't see, like, it, when the gap on defense is so big, if the gap on offense shouldn't be viewed as big as it is, I think Embiid's better on offense than Jokic. I, I can't agree with that. Like, I, whatever case you want to make for Joel, you have to at least concede that as an overall offensive player, Jokic is, he might be the single best offensive player. Well, but tell me, tell me why. Because is it just his, the value? Because like, so here's the thing: his passing would be great regardless of the position he plays, right? Because mm-hmm. anyone who's averaging essentially double-digit assists every game, it, that's a huge deal on any team. Like we give Harden all kinds of credit yeah. for you know piling up these gaudy assist numbers. To do it at a position where you really don't get playmaking, and to be like a, a one-of-one type playmaker at that position that fundamentally changes how you can structure the team. Like you don't need guards. So like, so if Tyrese Maxey was on the nuggets, for example, his lack of playmaking as a guard doesn't really even matter because you can run the entire offense and make other guys better simply by having Jokic on the floor. Like he's that level of playmaker 
in a way that like it fundamentally can change how you set up a team. So like, I don't, I'm not ever going to make the case that Joel is better as an overall offensive player. I do think though, to a point you made earlier, he is a victim of his own success to a point because, you know, last season he becomes the first center since Moses Malone to average 30 points a game. He's mm-hmm. the first center since Shaquille O'Neal to lead the league in scoring. Like these are huge, monumental, historic achievements. And he follows that up with this is a, a better, like almost way better scoring right. season for Joel, right? Like he's up several points a game in, in just like raw scoring. His field goal percentage is way up. He hasn't even shot the three well most of this year, and his averages are up all over the mm-hmm. board. So you could say like, He's leaving money on the table and might even get better down the stretch run. Like we could be looking at 34 points a game and he might end up at like 54, 55% from the field. Despite the fact that this guy is not just shooting dunks and layups. Like this is a lot of mid range jumpers and long twos and what have you. He's been awesome. Like he's one of the single best scorers in the league. And I do think when you get to, you know, April, May and June, I think you could make the case that what Joel does in terms of isolation scoring and being able to throw him the ball and he might just make shots over somebody that might loom larger than what Jokic does, which is mostly like he is great at getting positioning and being ultra efficient and just staying around the paint or taking open threes or whatever it is. And then passing when guys send any sort of pressure from elsewhere on the floor but there isn't the same like overwhelming physicality that could maybe, you know, make a difference in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. I'm interested to see what Denver looks like in the playoffs this year, because assuming they stay healthy, this will be the first time in a couple of years that he's had a real team around him, but I don't yeah, want this to turn too much into Embiid versus Jokic. Cause I, I think both guys are absolutely incredible basketball players. They go about their business very different ways. My point here is only Joel should be firmly in this MVP conversation. Absolutely deserves to get votes where we stand right now. He's had an incredible season, is in the midst of an awesome run. And I want that to be the focus of the conversation. I also think, and we've gotten into this before on the podcast, people need to start enjoying the Sixers team, right? Like Mm -hmm. This guy's in the midst of another, like, adding to his hall of fame resume type season. Like he has been one of the best players in basketball yet again for the third straight year. The Sixers are on pace to maybe be the number two seed in the East, despite starting slow, despite PJ Tucker looking old as hell and getting basically nothing from their offseason acquisitions aside from DeAnthony Melton. And they just keep going because Embiid and Harden have been really, really good. Like that is something worth, celebrating it's worth enjoying like i know that everybody's hung up on the lack of playoff success in recent years and they don't trust doc they don't trust james they don't trust joel whatever but if you're not going to enjoy watching the games if every win is just like well do it in the playoffs then i don't know why you'd bother bother following the team at all like that just doesn't seem fun at all Uh, two things one i agree with you that the focus should be on joel and i'm and we will keep it there the last thing I'll say, though, in about that in the Jokic thing is what makes the lack of focus on Joel to me frustrating is because Jokic gets all this attention, right? So I think to a certain sure. degree, to a certain degree, the lack of focus on Joel 
is because of Jokic. So it's hard to discuss them with, without the other ones. But but to your point about the, the Sixers, they're a fun team to watch too. It isn't like they're winning these games, you know, 98 to 90, or I guess that's like a way too, you know, 80 score for a game. But like they're scoring a ton of points. I mean, Embiid and Harden are playing excellent together. I saw something on Twitter today. I think they have the most uh, like assisted baskets to each other of any duo in the NBA. Um, they've really started to play together well. The point you made earlier on, I wanted to to comment on, but we we got off on a tangent. Is you talking about Joel improving with his hands and he's been better, you know, at, at receiving passes and all that? I think sometimes too with Joel, where we get a little spoiled, is we don't talk about the improvements in his game because he's already so good. But something little like that, we've talked on this pod so much about how Harden's been a more willing catch and shoot guy, how Tobias has improved in a lot of ways, how good Melton's been. And Joel, it's kind of like, well, Joel's really great, but you're right. He has also made improvements of his game. I mean, even just the mid-range jump shot thing is a new wrinkle that he's really, like, you can tell, to summarize, you can really tell he is into being great this year. He's worked hard to do it. He's focusing on what's best for the team. He's working with Harden. Like, I think he's putting together what could end up being his best season. So, I mean, you look at that fourth quarter against the Clippers on Tuesday night. He comes back into the game. I want to say it was like a six-point game, something like that, when he checks yep. back into the game. Immediately hits a mid-range jumper. He pins a, I think, believe it was Terrence Mann, layup attempt to the backboard. They go down the other way. Joel catches a pass at the elbow. They send pressure. He hits George Niang on the wing, open three. And that's, it's, that's like a five-point swing in Philadelphia's favor on top of him saving two points on the other end on the layup attempt. And like, that's the sort of power he has to impact the game just by coming back in. Like you can get him the ball. He go out, goes out and scores. He ends a possession on the other end and the, the attention he draws can create an open shot for somebody else. And all of a sudden a game that looks like it's hanging in the balance is now, you know, a double digit lead for yeah. the Sixers. Like that's the sort of transformative impact he can have on a game. And I just, I do think he's being taken for granted both locally and nationally. Like it's yeah. Joel is great. And Sixers fans love him. Like he has oversold the whole, well, they all want to trade me, blah, blah, blah. But God, that feels like there forever, is a, no. yeah, there is a level of, you know, everyone expects him to just be a plus great every night, which nobody in the league is. Like we, I've right. talked about it with Giannis. Giannis has had a disappointing season by his standards. Now, disappointing for him is still, you know, 30 points a game with great defense and, and what have you. But these guys set their own bar. And so it, it makes it easy to fall into the trap of, uh, well, Joel only had 30 tonight. So he had a bad game. And mm. that's like a C plus Joel Embiid game. And I get it because I do think you, you obviously can see, even within this great outing against the Clippers, there are levels to this and we know that. And it's why when Joel loafs around or has a bad game, I, I call him out for it because I know what he's capable of. This yeah. is not a guy who walks into any game and should like drop his head. Like, Oh, this can be a long night. He can change the, the whole momentum of a game. He can change the demeanor of his team just by leading by example. He doesn't have to be Mr. Rah, rah in the huddle or, or any of that stuff. He goes out there and plays like he did on Tuesday. The rest of the team's going to follow. And I, I don't think we've said this yet, but like that was another like they beat the Clippers comfortably. Like, that's mm -hmm. a good, talented team. 
They had both Kawhi and PG healthy for that game. And they want, they were, when the starters checked out of the game, a few minutes left in the fourth, Sixers are up by 17. Not a close game when it mattered. Yeah. No, I mean, and third straight win, which is impressive on the West. Uh, I, did you see the quote from Joel? Um, I guess he's 8-0 in the Staples Center that, uh, in his career. He's never lost. And he said something like, well, I have a pretty good record against the Knicks and Bulls, too. Uh, just, <laughs> yeah, that was great. You know, uh, three weeks ago, I would have hated that quote. But now that he's playing great, you know, I love when Joel. He's right, that. though. He's he's, he's right. kills those teams. Yeah. Now, those teams are trash, basically. But, yes, those are. But before we move on to something else, um, I I agree with, with what you're saying 100%. I do think what I kept thinking when you were saying about how great he's playing is, man, I hope he's healthy for the playoffs. But also, I do think it's unfair, last Jokic thing I'll say, that Jokic's lack of playoff success is never held against him. Like, people just always say how great Jokic is doing. They never bring up the lack of playoff success with him the way that they do Joel Embiid. So that is the last Jokic thing I'll say. I'll move on from that. Again, I'll say, they're like you can make excuses for him, too, because like it was basically him and a bunch of nobodies because the Jamal Murray injury and all that other stuff. Um. But yeah, like the one the one series they played Phoenix in the playoffs here, Phoenix went to the finals. He's basically a traffic cone in the game that mattered. Chris mm-hmm. Paul dotted him up from mid-range on like six straight possessions in the final. And there have been a couple games where he got his team's going out. Here's the thing. No, here's where I think there is a real conversation to be had about how they're talked about. Jokic got thrown out of that game for acting out and like yeah, making a violent play at somebody. If Joel had done that, it would have been a national story. Like right. he's getting called a a sore loser and a baby and all kinds of other shit. And he cried after but, Game Seven in Toronto, and people still right. bring that up. Yeah, and so I think some of that is like we can say the doughy white guy gets a little right. more of a favorable uh, pass from the media for shit. Like, oh, the other thing. Nikola Jokic like clotheslining uh Markeith Morris last year. Yeah. Knocked him out for, you know, most of that season. He had whiplash and some other stuff. I'm not defending what Markeith Morris did on, on on that play that led to that confrontation, but again, Joel Embiid does that. He's a thug and he's this and he's that and like Jokic mostly just skated for doing that. Yeah. That's where I do think you see a big difference. Like things like that Joel gets talked about way differently than Jokic does, despite the fact that Jokic has had a bad temper and heated moments and has basically seen no repercussions for it. I, I, I agree with everything you said. And I, again, I'll wrap this up by saying, I didn't think Joel had a chance at the MVP earlier in the year. He is playing well enough and putting together a good enough year that he should, you're, you're right, be firmly in that like top three consideration. And you said a few times they're in the race for the second seed. I think obviously they are. I wouldn't completely put it past them that they passed the, the Celtics. There's a lot of a lot of time left. They're playing really well. I know the Celtics are too. So it'll their be strength harder. of schedule is the biggest. They have like the single worst schedule in the league from okay. now until the end of the year. Like their March, if they like that's the honestly the biggest. Yes, it's probably the biggest hurdle between them and the number two seed as it stands. Like if you were just looking at these teams with health in mind and current form in mind i absolutely think the sixers could be the second seed in the east the Mm -hmm. one thing that really makes me hesitate is that i don't know 
how they're going to deal with that schedule. Now, this West Coast swing, I know these aren't all great teams. Like the Lakers have been pretty bad and didn't have AD. Mm-hmm. Utah is, they're okay. Like they've been a, a fringe playoff team, whatever they have this year. But if they can get out of this West Coast trip, four and one or five and oh, I mean, maybe they lose these next two and it's all doing the game again. Right. But that will tell you a little something about how the rest of the season 